Mary Emma and Company by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1961, Chapter 5, Molasses on the Loose. Lord God, you are the bread of life. You nourish us. You call us, remember, that you are bread, flesh, that uh, the manna from heaven was from you, even though it came in the time of Moses. And now we live... Um, in you, by faith, Lord God, as we labor to hold fast to what we know to be true by faith. So thank you that you are the living bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Mother must have talked to Uncle Frank till long after he went to sleep that Sunday night. And she must have told him the same thing she told Grace about making our living in our own home. Anyway, we, had, we three had breakfast together at 6 o'clock the next morning. And while we were eating, he said, without leading up to it at all, you may be right, Mary Emma, but I'm still afraid you're trying to bite off a bigger chunk than you can chew. Laundries are sweatshops. The women who work in them are the rough, coarse ones who can't find any jobs anywhere else. And the bosses treat them as if they were slaves. Even if you could stand the work, the conditions would drive you out of your mind. It might be different if you're still a young girl, or if you used to, or you were used to the rougher side of life, but you're not. Isn't there some other way you can learn this trade, some school or training place where you could go? If there is, I've never heard of it, Mother said, and I have no time to search for it now. Both our families need a home that is all their own and as quickly as it can be managed. I'm not afraid of hard work or the sort of people I may have to associate with. My life's been fairly, my life hasn't been exactly a sheltered one. I know, Mary Emma, Uncle Frank said as if you're a bit irritated with her, but Mother didn't let him go any further, but laid a hand over on his arm. Frank, she said, I know you may find it's hard to understand, but I think... I am being led by divine guidance. This whole idea came to me suddenly while I was sitting in church yesterday, and I felt at once that a great burden had been lifted from me. I must try my level best to go through with it. For as much as a full minute, Uncle Frank sat looking down at Mother's hand, as if he were studying it. Then he laid his hand over it, looked up into her face, and said slowly, God bless you, Mary Emma. He didn't say another word, but pushed his chair back quickly and left the table without finishing his breakfast. It was still dark when Mother and I left the house. At the sidewalk, she told me to be a good boy not to get in any quarrels at school. Then she walked away up Lawrence Street toward the tough section of Malden. I wanted to say the same thing to her that Uncle Frank had said, but it wouldn't have sounded right coming from me, so I just called. <laughs> good luck, Mother, and hurried down the other way toward the store. That Monday afternoon and evening, there wasn't much business at the store, and Mr. Durant delivered most of the coal orders before I got out of school. I suppose I could have eaten a piece of candy or two and talked with Mr. Householder between customers, but I didn't want to do that. I still felt pretty good about his having paid me for the week I said could be a trial one, and I didn't want him to think I was slacking up just as soon as he told me the job was that my job would be steady. So, as soon as I delivered my last order, I filled a big bucket about half full of water, whittled in some yellow soap, and set it on top of the stove to heat. While I did it, Mr. Househalter was leaning on the counter playing with Matilda, and he didn't seem to notice that I was even in the store. He was chuckling and tickling the calico cat, and she was rolling on her back and boxing at his fingers with her paws. After I had the water on the heat, I brought the stepladder from the back room and set it up at the far end of the store. I'd put a plank up with one end on top of the stepladder and the other on the ivory soap shelf and was feeling to see if the bucket of water was getting warm when, when Mr. Househalter laughed out loud. Learned if you ain't got me beat, son, he called out. Most generally, I can keep my hair down and outweigh what's going on. 
but you've got my curiosity head up to boiling. What in Sam Hill are you up to anyways? I looked up at the ceiling above the stove and said, well, I wanted to get some of this black stuff off, but if I just wash here above the stove, it would look kind of like a white cloud in a gray sky. So I thought I'd better start washing at the back of the store. I'm not very heavy, and I think the ivory soap shelf is strong enough to hold me. Well, 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 he said slowly. Bless my soul if you ain't got him all beat. And during the past 30 years, John and me must have had 60 boys around here, more or less. And you're the first one to tackle an extra job without being told. And man fashioned the boot. Mr. Househalter squinted one eye and peeped over the top of his glasses at the ceiling above the stove. Tis a mite black, ain't it? Must have been building up for... Curious, ain't it? How a little thing like that will take a man's mind back, let me think. Well... Was it the fall of 79 or the spring of 80 that we bought out old man Tibbets? Well, no matter, but I recollect that ceiling was turning just a trifle yellowish. The old man was pretty spry that year before, painted the whole store from clue to hearing, back room and all, even varnished the shelves, then it all by himself, whilst John and me took care of the trade. Must have, must have had a notion he'd hold out for another 10 years. Fine old man, Amos Tibbets. Wouldn't doubt me that paint and spree of his had a lot to do with his passing heart. Sort of petered out on him after that. Mr. Househalter had gone back to playing with Matilda as he talked, but he straightened up and looked along the shelves and all around the store with a sort of happy, far-off smile on his face. And for a little while, he seemed to be talking to himself more than to me. He ain't changed much at all, he said. Tried to keep it just about like the old man had it. Good merchant, Amos Tibbetts. Of course, the brand names has changed some, and crackers come in tin boxes instead of old barrels. And kerosene is up to 14 cents a gallon, but buying all things don't change much. That is, if a man don't get took off his feet by every new notion that comes along. My bucket of water had begun to steam, so I stood on my tiptoes, reached up over the rim, and stirred it with my finger to find out if the soap had all melted. That seemed to bring Mr. Househalter back a little bit, and he said, by gory, that's the self-same potbelly stove Mr. Tibbetts had in the self-same. No, no, he had a Franklin burner. Then he chuckled so hard that his stomach jiggled. Got busted up the first winter after John and me commenced business. Curious ain't how a boy will go to growing soon as ever he gets a job in a grocery store. Growing tall and growing awkward. Me, I growed mostly sideways. He chuckled again, squirted a thin little stream of tobacco juice into Matilda's sandbox and patted his stomach. Oh, we was talking about stoves, weren't we? Well, this boy, first one we had, let me think, what was that boy's name? Well, no matter. Here he comes, here he come to be a big lawyer over to New York. Mother lives on the Myrtle Street. John would know his name. Father passed away four or five years back. Well, well, no matter anyways. This boy, he grew to six foot tall that year he worked for us, an awkwarder an ox in a strawberry patch. By gory, that just about done it. Ox? Ox? There was an ox somewhere in his name, about his name. Maddox, that was it. Old Henry Maddox's boy. Right then, a woman came in for 15 cents worth of cheese and a pound of common crackers. So, while Mr. Househalter was waiting on her, I took my bucket of hot water back and began washing the ceiling at one corner. It was awfully dirty. But... If I got the sponge much wetter than damp, the water ran down my arm, so I had to be real careful, and I forgot all about Mr. Householder until from right below me he said, Here, this will put an arm on you, and you'll need it for that job. By gore, the old ceiling was getting a mite dirty, wasn't it? When I looked down, 
Mr. Househalter was holding up a slice of cheese about the size of my hand and four common crackers. A boy's got to eat if he's doing a man's job, he told me. Sit down, a Jiffy, and get it into you whilst I tell you about Mr. About, no, about that Maddox boy. Don't recollect what his first name was, but that don't matter. Like I was telling you, he was big, and he was awkward, and he was one of the few that wasn't lazy. Well, sir, that winter John and me got an awful good price on a hogshead of Jamaica molasses. Used to fetch a lot of it in once they was distilling Medford rum up to the square. I It come out on an, a freight train from Boston, and there was three or four a day in them times, and they sought it off about halfway down the platform towards the depot. As I recollect, it was an afternoon about the likes of this one, cold with ice on the sidewalk where the eaves had dripped along some about noontime. Soon as school was out, this Maddox boy, he come to work when Cop Watson and two, three others was. I had my mouthful of crackers and cheese, and I knew better than interrupt people. But before I thought, I'd asked, the same Cop Watson that has his this beat now? Yep, yep, same one. And his feet was just as big and just as flat then as they be now. But his mass mustache was coal black. Well, as I was saying, Cop Watson and two, three others was in here, standing by the old Franklin burner, warming their hands and talking when the Maddox boy come in. Well, just to Josh him, I said, before you get started on something else, you might fetch in the hogshead of molasses that come out on the noon train. It's on the depot platform yonder. Then I got to listening to the talk and forgot all about the boy. Never had a notion he could budge that hogshead. Must have weighed a good 400 pounds. Well, sir, he did. Heaved it over on its side and rolled it clean up there to the front door. There was two steps, just like there is now, but they was different ones. How in the world he got it there without none of us seeing him, I don't know, but he done it. First thing we seen, no, no. First thing we heard was a holler out of the Maddox boy. Then old Ned broke loose. The door come flying off its hinges, and that hog's head of molasses come tearing across the floor towards us like it was the Portland Express. You never seen men scatter so quick in all your born days. Cop Watson, he leapt clean over the cracker barrel. I went atop the counter, and Matilda, now not this one, but her great-great-great-grandmother, scun up on the top shelf yonder where we keep the lamp chimbleys. As Mr. Househalter had been telling the last part of the story, he'd been coming closer and closer to laughing. Then, when he told about the cat, he sort of exploded. He laughed so hard that his face turned scarlet. He lifted both hands above his head and slapped them down on his thighs. Bless my soul, he wheezed as soon as he could catch his breath. You never seen such a, a goings-on as we had here for a couple of minutes. <coughs> Franklin Burner all smashed the smithereens, snow stovepipe lashing about like a cot eel, and scattering suit from Dan to Beersheba. Apples and pickles bouncing around like they was rubber balls, and a table full of tinware rising up like a flock of scared ducks off in a pond. That hogshead of molasses never slowed down right down till it fetched up against the flower barrels. Flower barrels. Stove one of them in, too. What happened to the Maddox boy, I asked. Before Mr. Househalter could answer me, he had another spell of laughing and slapping his thighs. Oh, oh, oh nothing much, he told me between gas. When... Things had settled down a mite. I looked around, and there he sat amongst a pile of kindling wood that had been the steps, both legs straight out on the floor in front of him. When he seen me, he looked around. He says, I'm sorry, Gus. I slipped on the ice outside the door. You could take it out of my pay. 
Lord love him. I don't recollect what he was paying. We was paying him for wages, but in them days, it would have been more than a dollar. Wouldn't have been more than a dollar a week, and what he could pick up around the store to eat. Mr. Househalter stood there for a minute, chuckling to himself. Then he said, "Curious, ain't it? I ain't thought of that in twenty-five years. Well, bless my soul, how time flies. Here's John already with his late afternoon orders. You go on with your house cleaning, and I'll go see what luck he had." Mr. Durant hadn't had very good luck with his late orders and said he'd deliver them himself on his way home. So I kept on with the ceiling until half past six. Then when I went to get a fresh bucket of water, Mr. Househalter told me to knock off for the day. When I reached Uncle Frank's house, mother hadn't come back and we were all worried about her. So I started for the laundry as fast as a trot, as fast a trot as I thought I could keep up all the way. I'd gone as far as a tough neighborhood when under a street light half a block away, I saw her coming. She was walking slowly. And, not, and for one of the few times I ever saw her with her head down, I was sure she had been hurt, or that one of the corner gangs had given her some trouble. So I ran toward her as fast as I could, shouting, Mother, what's the matter? She couldn't have seen me because I was in the middle of the block where it was dark, but before the first word was hardly out of my mouth, she lifted her head and came on briskly like a good horse that's been touched with the spurs. If I hadn't seen her before she knew I was nearby, I would never have guessed how tired she was when I reached her. The light was behind her by that time, so I couldn't see her face, but her voice sounded all full of smiles. Why, there's nothing in the world to matter, son, she told me. Just the opposite, and I think your good luck this morning helped me more than anything else. I was fortunate in getting just the job I wanted, and though I'm desperately slow at it, I think they're going to keep me on. I had a nice talk with the, the, nice talk with the foreman before coming home. Now, tell me how things went for you at school and in the store today. The rest of the way to Uncle Frank's house, I told her about the hogshead of molasses that got away from the boy at the store. But I don't think I told her the boy's name. <laughs> oh, good stories. It's always fun to hear what somebody else remembers. I love you.